Welcome to Love This Journey podcast, a podcast that's a little bit business journey, a little bit personal journey, and a lot of bit awkward journey. This is the podcast where we talk about journeys through business, careers, and personal successes, and how we didn't lose our marbles along the way. Or did we? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Flourish and Grit, an email marketing and automation studio specializing in customer journey. If you are listening to this, please feel free to leave us a review, like us, share us. We would so appreciate it. I'm Emily McGuire. I am the founder and chief promoter of Flourish and Grit. <laughs> uh, I am joined today with my co-host, Shelly Costello, who's my marketing coordinator. She also mm -hmm. works for Flourish and Grit, so we're pretty cool already. Mm-hmm. And today we have with us one of the kindest people I know, Dave Kirschbaum. Dave is a, a native of Ann Arbor, Michigan, born and raised, towny guy. He's great. He's one of the famous Kirschbaums of Ann Arbor. Google it. Don't Google it. I'm joking. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Google, Google Dave Kirschman. <laughs> He's a learning experience designer with 12-ish years. We're saying 12-ish. I'm going to go with a hard 12. Go, go hard 12. A hard 12. <laughs> and a retired perfect record wedding bouncer. It's mm -hmm. true. <laughs> and I'm so glad to have you here today, Dave. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Thanks, Shelly. I'm really glad to be here. Yay. So glad to have you. <laughs> So the million dollar question I wanted to know, I want to know how you got into this whole learning experience thing. Where did your journey and how did it start? Like what made you get into it? So I was a, a laid off tech writer. Um, I had a job was pretty good, but uh, I, we were in an industry that was heavily dependent on um, automotive. And this was 2009. Eesh. Yeah, so <laughs> I off too. Uh, yeah, yeah, only to the best of us. Uh, so I uh, got in touch with a uh, someone that I happen to know. Uh, she had a her own uh, a web design uh, company here uh, in Ann Arbor. I said, "Hey, do you need a writer uh, of any kind at all?" She said, "No, but you know, uh, a friend of mine, Megan Torrance." Uh, down in Chelsea, she's got like this e-learning thing going on and they might need a, a curriculum writer of some sort. And I didn't even know what that was, but it's like, well, let's check this out, figure it out. Uh, drove down to Chelsea, uh, spoke with Megan for two hours, uh, found out like during those two hours, basically, uh, it was almost like a crash course uh, between that and my prepping for the interview. Like what, uh, what e-learning was and how that was part of a broader um, industry of learning and development, uh, instructional design. Uh, and I kind of learned really on the job what it meant to be uh, an instructional designer, which um, people just now, or when I say I'm an instructional designer, people are just within the past couple of years um, starting to understand what that means. Like, oh, we've got some instructional designers who, who oh. work on a team building training on, you know, uh, uh, in our company or whatever. Mm -hmm. But uh, up until a few years ago, I'd tell them I'm an instructional designer and they go, okay, <laughs> what's that? 
Yeah. That was a really great confused look for anybody who does not have video access right now. I love it. <laughs> if I could describe it better, I would. Um, so part of the thing that um, fascinates, so I think it's fascinating you started as a writer and it would make sense that um, e-learning or instructional design would be a natural transition because I find that writers uh, have an incredible amount of empathy and because you have to be crystal clear, right? You have to know uh, what your audience's struggles are and you have to know your audience. And um, and instructional design, at least from what I know about it, um, well, it's education and you need, you have to have an incredible amount of empathy in order to meet your learners where they are and all that, um, all the fun things. So I'm curious about, um, and as somebody who's also obsessed with journeys, right? Mm, mm -hmm. um, what kind of, uh, what does a learning journey look like? What do you, what kind of journey do yeah. you take learners on? Uh, I love that question. Um, so to preface that, I guess I would say one thing that's really interesting is um, within the past few, past few years within LND, there has been a sort of a, a mind shift uh, for those who are kind of on the forefront, leading the way. It um, says, you know, when we talk about instructional design, um, it, it's great. What it is, is it's, it's building learning for people who need it, uh, you know, on the job or whatever. Um, but it focuses on that learning product that you are creating. So there's been a shift in uh, language as well as mindset to uh, learning experience design, right? Um, and it follows some of the same um, philosophies, most of the same philosophies as other blank experience, you know, customer experience, uh, user experience. Um, uh, there is now what I believe is now being called human experience that used to be like employee success. Um, the I idea that being, was a thing. Yes. I, I just, uh, this is something, uh, new to my knowledge, uh, since a few months ago, but yeah. it makes a lot of sense, right? Because your focus is now on the the user or the customer or the learner uh in our case and it's realizing that those people are only learners when you interact with them they're only customers when you're interacting with them from that you know customer uh um vendor relationship or whatever they consider themselves people um so in order what right <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh probably uh you know when you ask people what you do they're gonna say well i'm a customer, I'm a customer. Uh, <laughs> that's what right? i do yeah so um the whole idea between learning experience uh, you know behind learning experience design is meeting people as people with learning interventions as they need them but it's finding it's empathizing right uh with what their day-to-day -day lives are um and it is meeting them where they are uh and that can only start with getting to know them mm -hmm. so when you talk about you know what kind of journeys do we take our learners on um and the reason i say i love that question is because we are uh, it's it that is a focus uh that i am i am deep in right now uh my team is deep in as well um for us that journey starts with often 
making learner creating learner personas and so what that is is um again it's from the uxd world cxd world it, you know it, it, a lot of xd um uh industries uh use personas so learner personas basically you find out who was who, you know you talk to people who are in your sample audience uh you find out those traits that are often common, what their frustrations are, what their barriers to success are, what success even looks like. Are they intrinsically motivated or are they motivated by external factors? Uh, are they competitive? You know, this sort of thing. And of course, you're not going to, you're not going to get 100%. Right. You know, but that's not, you know, that isn't your goal. Um, your goal is to maybe get that 80% so you kind of have that understanding of who your who your audience is um and then you can use something called an empathy map um which i know is uh used a lot in um uh user-centered design design thinking um that sort of thing where you given a, a moment in your um audience's life um you ask, you've, uh, wh what are they thinking? What are they doing? What are they saying? And what are they feeling? Um, I guess uh, recently somebody uh, came up with a fifth uh, quintile uh, to that, which is uh, what are their goals, right? Um, what's the objective in right. that moment? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so then you can figure out like how to meet them not just in general when addressing that audience member, but like how, how to meet them in that moment of need. And the third tool that we're using uh, is journey mapping, which I'm sure some of your audience is aware of. I'm sure some of your audience has used it. You're shaking your head no. no. <laughs> I would say a lot. So journey mapping is something I do like yes. for email, but sure. it's new to most of the people I talk to. I, I would say uh, if you if you work with people <laughs> in general and you need to interface with them, like just learning about journey mapping is is fantastic. It's mm -hmm. fun. Uh, you can do like um, collaborative exercises mm -hmm. with subject matter experts or with sample audience members to kind of take them again, like at that empathy map, right? What are they feeling, thinking, saying, or doing? Uh, and what are their pain points? Um, how are they feeling uh, about, you know, whatever steps that they're trying to take? And you can map that out over time. Um, and then you fit, uh, you know, that gives you ideas for, for brainstorming uh, learning interventions. Um, so that is, you know, and that journey starts with even not, you know, there's a whole, if you build it, you know, they will come kind of mentality that has existed for a, a long time, I think, within LND, like, oh, we built a course, people are going to come and take it. Mm -hmm. um, people have to know why they should, people have to know it exists. Um, and nodding. Nodding. yeah, nodding. <laughs> so, so it starts with even before you design those learning interventions in it's, it's how do you raise that awareness? Um, and then it, it brings people through, through that whole, uh, sequential journey. So that's what we've been doing a lot of. Uh, it's something I wish I knew about earlier in my career, if for no reason, because it's super fun. And um, I, I 
I enjoy that the exercise. I didn't expect we would start geeking out on journey mapping together. Hey. Look where this conversation <laughs> went. <laughs> I don't, well, no, I mean, to your point, I mean, what you're talking about, like understanding or understanding your learners or your users or whoever, right. no matter which point of entry you're coming um, to it from, whether that's a learning product or marketing or sales or um, UI design, if you're trying to um, update your UI, um, right. I have found that you you get so many insights that are um, that help cross pollinate between silos yeah. that uh, are always so unexpected. Um, no matter again, like what your focus is, because mm -hmm. it's all like you mentioned interconnected. Um, because yes. people are people, not people just are learners people. or users or customers or employees. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I love that. Um, so has there been any, um, anything that's really in any person, book, podcast, artist that's really inspired you um, through this, your professional career? Are you going to say Britney Spears? Because the look on your face, it looked like you're about to say Britney Spears. Should I say Britney Spears? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, been cheering for her from the sidelines for, for a while now. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so if we're talking strict uh, uh, L&D, uh, LXD, um, you know, the, the my first uh, job, as I mentioned in... Uh, in instructional design, LND, LXD, whatever you would call it, uh, was Megan Torrance of uh, Torrance Learning. Um, and I am inspired by her and the people who know her, the people who interact with her. She seems to be sort of this uh, um, central, almost incubator of talent and um, just a connector. So um, yeah, uh, that I, I think just like if you if you know someone like that who um, who not only has the knowledge and the talent and that sort of thing, but it's it's way way more than that. It's because we all know smart people, mm -hmm. um, but it's it's the philosophy of like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, approach you with an open palm rather than you know a closed fist, kind of hiding my knowledge. Uh, so that. Uh, that was just sort of like a um, an inflection point in my, you know, understanding what I wanted to be when I grew up, kind of a thing. Um, just learned so much. I was only there for a couple of years, and I, I learned a ton. Um, so that's like I, there are, there are plenty of people, uh, but like that is the first one that is most obvious. Um, from a creative standpoint, that has nothing to do. Uh, at least not concretely with my work, I, I would just say uh, uh, um, David Lynch, uh, inspired really? by David Lynch. Uh, absolutely. Why? Tell me more. Um, it, David Lynch has this way of um, one being creative in the sense that like, I, I don't think there's any other human being who could have thought of the thing that I just saw come out of his brain um watch eraser head uh um 
but also he does seem to be empathetic um i so he goes dark places very dark places um but does it with this sort of empathy that i think um you don't see in a lot of there are a lot of i would say very popular uh filmmakers who are really creative and really good at being dark but you get the sense that they're doing it because they want to shock you but don't really have a good reason to shock you mm, um mm -hmm. there is one or two i, I have in mind um but I, I feel like there is just a humanity uh that is um just uh like everything that that lynch does it just soaks in this humanity everyone who almost everyone who has worked for him uh has said you know i i would in a heartbeat work for you know work on another project with david lynch because he just um makes everybody feel so safe uh mm, and heard and uh if he knows that a particular scene is going to be hard for a particular uh actor uh he will take time out call them over this is what i've heard anyway i've never i have never met the man myself uh <laughs> But yet. spend spend time yet. Uh, but what I've understand is that he'll spend time with them, making sure that they're they're feeling safe uh, before filming that. Um, so yeah, there you know there's the the empathy tie-in there. Um, I, and I would also just say that uh, that you know there are certain like moments in pop culture that you're like that has changed my life, um, just in the way that I see things. Uh, and Twin Peaks did that for me. Hmm, interesting for whatever reason the the exploration also of um the lack of better words the exploration of the magical of the otherworldly um there's just so much imagination there uh that it, it kind of makes me start thinking about you know thinking in sort of those what if uh areas i guess there are a few things i'm picking up here and i'm just gonna I'm just going to spill them on just, you. Just say and them. I, just say them. I can them. take it. <laughs> I am ready for the for the analysis. Go ahead. <laughs> well, one, it sounds like um, you appreciate a leader who is also humble, right? Um, or sure, yes. empathetic, mm -hmm. um, which um, I also know Megan Torrance. And uh, yeah, everything you said about her, I will suck it. And mm -hmm. I'm always so impressed by people who can do a, their job really well and also bring people along with them yes. on that on that journey right um and you keep mentioning empathy hmm. um which is you, also you said it first oh yes no you said it first <laughs> how dare you <laughs> um check the tape check the tape <laughs> where do i find the tape um what tape what tape uh what but, is tape how far can we take this? Should we keep right. going? Um, <laughs> Sorry. And well, <laughs> um, but I'm wondering, um, so empathy is one of my main values that guides my work. I'm wondering yeah. what, um, I mean, is empathy yours or do you have a, an articulated value that guides everything you do? 
I feel like now that you're asking me that I should, like I should be able to, you know, pull that out and uh, read it to you. I wouldn't yes. have to because I had it memorized. Uh, no, but I mean, like values that I think are core um, to doing my job well, probably to doing a lot of different, you know, jobs well. Empathy would be up there. Um, I think imagination is up there. Um, mm. I think asking questions is, is so let's call that curiosity. Curiosity needs to be uh, core to what, well, what I do anyway. Uh, I would say probably to what most people do. Um, I have thought often, uh, and this, like, this to me is like a huge relief, uh, but I think it's more important to ask good questions than to have good answers. Um, asking good questions, you know, questions lead to more questions and, and that leads to digging up truth sometimes in unexpected and uh, delightful places. Um, but also just having good questions rather than good answers takes a lot of pressure off. Uh, uh, because, yeah, uh, very seldom uh, can you tell someone that's the wrong question? <laughs> um, yeah. Not never, but but seldom. <laughs> um, what else? Um, I think those are three really good ones. Empathy. I love imagination. That is such a good. I mean, because it 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 implies that people need to be open, mm -hmm. right? Open to new ideas. Yeah, and I, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I want to back up a second because I just remember another question I wanted to ask. And it's because you brought up David Lynch. Oh, yes. And Shelley is also a film. What do you call someone who's really into films? Filmophile? Something file? Cinephile. Cinephile. Yeah. He knew. She's like, that's who I am. I know this word. I prefer I the term film nerd, you know, but. Film nerd. <laughs> Uh, Shelly, you were just nodding your head off while Dave was talking about David Lynch. <laughs> what, do you, are you in alignment with your opinions of yeah. David Lynch? Well, yeah, and I also feel like um, I haven't checked his work recently. I don't know if he's written for Succession, but if he hasn't, he should. Mm. Because that show is very, like, deeply entrenched in all things human. These characters are all very... Mm. Um, They've all they've all been screwed by their father in one way, shape, or form, and they all work with him. And it's like a family business that is just totally messed up. Um, but they're all extraordinarily rich, so you know, first world problems. Um, yes. But the character development, especially in this third season, is is just like It's just tremendous. And I've always found like, and I can agree with you in that. Yes, you know, those sort of like, here's a film with a beginning, middle and end and everything ended happy. Like those right. are great when you're in the mood for those. I prefer films that like maybe don't have an ending, doesn't really bother me either way, but can kind of delve into like, what is this person going through mm -hmm. in this like clip in time? And right. you can leave and think to yourself, oh, I wonder what happened. I, I hope this happened or... That was a really interesting, you know, part of this film when it took a turn. It was just I like those character development films more than I do like a, you know, no knock on superhero movies, but right. 
<laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I agree with everything you just said, and I'll pretend I know what films are. What are movies? I just love that you brought up David Lynch, Dave. Right, oh, good. So great for me. Um, this was really great for me. That's all that really matters. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think it's really interesting to, you know, a lot of people who um, talk about their professional journeys, um, ten, where they started seems to come from this like tipping point. Um, mm. You know, something really difficult is happening. Like I got laid off mm-hmm. or this thing isn't working out. I really need to figure out what my next move is. And their next right. move, it was their long-term um, plan, right? Uh-huh. And um, there was a point I was going to make with this. <laughs> You're doing great. Yeah. Just... <laughs> <laughs> doing great. Doing great. Uh, <laughs> but I, so, um, and you're somebody that I think, you know, based on our interactions, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. say, I know you so well. No, I don't. <laughs> but you just, ha- you seem to handle things with such grace. And I, I'm curious, what advice would you give to somebody who might be in a, at a point where you were in 2009, when you were like, oh crap, what am I going to mm. do? How do you, how do you keep going um, and not totally chuck the whole thing? Uh, yeah. So like for me, it was just reaching out and, and telling people, uh, here's where I am. You know, I'm in this difficult position for me. It was, I, I was laid off, but, uh, for, I think getting laid off easier for me to make that change because I didn't have to convince myself it's time to find a new job. Right. Uh, you know, my former employer uh, convinced me, uh, that it was. <laughs> time <laughs> to find a new job uh gave me a, a nice box to go along with that search but um the you know I, I think uh that's what i've read like a lot of people say is like get past that you know whatever you can do to get past that fear of just telling people because when you tell people it's like oh now this is real <laughs> like i'm i need to i need a change um for me it was reaching out to someone i had you know, i was like well maybe i can get 10 hours a week writing content for her uh on her uh or you know some for some web clients or something um but i did not know what curriculum writing was it sounded actually very intimidating so there's a part of me going oh well, i can do this like i don't even know what it is but i don't know i can do it um but it, you know, it's it, you. You also, Emily, happen to know uh, that I'm involved in uh, improv, and there is just this, uh, you know, the, there's this sort of okay. When you see an edit point, um, which is like you're on the back line, there's a scene going on. Um, you, you can't wait necessarily for that moment where you come out and start a new scene uh, with a this fantastic idea that's just gonna knock everyone over you know, it's like oh you see that there's an edit point where this the scene is is done and you need you need to step out and then just trust your instincts um there is a point you know 
you know, I, I, I'm not saying uh, to, to your uh, audience, uh, if you get a little bored, quit your job. That's not what, I, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. But being honest, like, oh, this is my edit point. This is mm -hmm. where I need to step out and start a new scene. And I don't know what the scene's going to be about. Um, like, follow, you know, follow, what's the phrase? Follow your foot. I don't know if that's the right phrase, but like, just step out and then um, trust yourself. Everything that's gotten you to where you are, uh, there's, there's something there. Like, trust that. Um, and usually, once you start taking that, uh, you know, those steps, you're going to find out pretty soon whether it's the right or the wrong path. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's a lot of trusting yourself, but trust, trusting other people to, to, to help you find your way. Mm, I love that. Um, asking for help, mm. trusting yourself and trusting others. That can be, both of those things can be really hard. Scary. <laughs> Yeah, yep. very scary. And, yeah. um, and looking for an edit point. And I, I like that framing because it's, it's not, there's no judgment to it. Right. It mm. doesn't mean that that point is right. good or bad. It's an opportunity. And how many people do you know who start out fresh out of high school or college and they say, this is my career that I'm starting. And then fast forward uh, 40 to 50 years and they're retiring from that job that, you know, they started at. Like, it doesn't happen. You're allowed mm -hmm. to figure it out as you go along. Um, one thing that uh, is, it is a truth that we in my field of business that we, we have to embrace sometimes um, Sometimes we forget to, uh, but it's the idea that people learn more from failure than they do from success. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, we try to build in into our learning uh, experiences, opportunities to, to, to fail safely. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I think more and more people are understanding that failure isn't a bad thing. It's just like, it's a data point. Um, and, and as long as you learn from the failure, it's like, that helps point you towards success. So um, I, I think, yeah, you, you mentioned it, like, that framing it so that there's no judgment of like, oh, I've, I've put myself in this position that I wasn't supposed to be in, or that, you know, this, I, I can't, I thought I was going to be a great salesperson. I'm not good at sales. Um, like, okay, well, now you know that. Right. <laughs> That's easier said than done. I mean, I'm not trying to minimize anyone's pain in being at that point. But um, I would say that, that that edit point often leads you towards what that next new scene is supposed to be. And that scene may only last you a certain amount of time until the next one. And that's okay, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's not a failure. Like you said, I think we have put a lot of negative judgment on changing courses um, mm -hmm. because it assumes that we failed at something and it's like, it's okay. If you realize it's not your thing, that doesn't mean you're a failure. It just means you've learned something like you said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I love that. 
I love that. So um, now we're going to come to the part of the interview, which is my favorite, because I can't wait to hear these answers, <laughs> where I'm going to turn it over to Shelly. She's done here. I'm pointing. Cracking my knuckles. My... <laughs> like I'm I don't know what I put, A lot of pressure on you, Dave, for oh, these. Yeah. These are just fun, rapid fire questions. Spit out the first thing that comes to mind. We are not, we are not here to judge. How Let many times? Try. How many times can I pass? None. None, none times. Oh. Uh, uh, okay. We will judge you. We will okay. judge you. <laughs> okay, ready, Because if Shelley? we've learned nothing at all from this, from this <laughs> yeah. conversation. It's that only I can judge people. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's your podcast, so. It's mine. Yeah. My podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right, Shelly, I'm turning it over to you for rapid okay. fire questions. All right, Dave, you have, uh, I have to answer it, be very quick. We can't think about it very much. Just your first, what comes to your head, okay? Got it. Okay, ready? What's your go-to karaoke song? Um, we didn't start the fire. <laughs> Was that a guess? Yes. Okay. It's still a great song. Never done karaoke. Oh. You've never oh, done karaoke, but I'm. But uh, that's what I'm going to start with the first time. Do it. Uh, we, once it's safe again, if there are karaoke, one of those karaoke rooms. Are there karaoke rooms around here, Shelly? Have you no, checked I that don't out? Think there's no rooms, but there's one at a bowling alley, like okay. a big room. Okay. I yeah. love the car the little karaoke rooms. Those are so fun. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. I've just okay. derailed this. I Side made track. it about me. Clean <laughs> it up okay. in post. Question two, what are you binging right now? TV show, podcasts? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. Um, number three, you win the lottery. What is the most frivolous thing that you buy? Um, uh, 400,000 suction cups. <laughs> okay. And now I want to have a follow-up question here, but I'm also not <laughs> sure if I, if I should ask. Go ahead. <laughs> what are you doing with these suction cups? I have no idea. Uh, probably sticking them to like the refrigerator or other hard objects. Uh, if they've got the little hooks in them, I would hang things for the, the cats to bat. I was hoping you were going to make a oh, okay. suit out okay. of them. Oh, that's a good idea. And then you could crawl on walls. <laughs> there you go. Like Spider-Man situation. Yes. I like it. I like it. Okay. Um, you're on a desert island. What are three things that you bring with you? Uh, a helicopter, a pilot, and fuel. That is the smartest one that we've had the whole time. Why did not think of a plane? Uh, yeah. Well, a helicopter. That's very specific. Oh, yeah. or a helicopter. You would I mean, need a seaplane. Something to get you off of the desert island. <laughs> yeah. And a somebody to pilot and yeah. fuel. Gosh, that's so proud. By the way, that is the smartest answer I've ever given to any question. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Let's bookmark this podcast. You're perfect. And Dave, you got to share that one far and wide. There you go. Okay, your last one. You can only eat one food for the rest of your life. What is it? I'm going to regret this answer, but mango steam. Mango steam? Mango uh, What's that? Mango steam. Delicious that fruit. Um, uh, it's native to Thailand. Um, it's got purple dye. I mean, it's not purple dye, but it's like it can stain things. Uh, so um, 
when we were in Thailand for the first time, we saw a um, uh, a sign on an elevator saying, uh, in in a in the hotel lobby, and it was like next to the elevators, and it said, uh, "No durian and no mangosteen." And we knew durian like was um, very very um, smelly fruit, like it smells kind of like uh, a banana onion bomb skunk, and um, they you know it, there's a phrase they say uh, it smells like hell and tastes like heaven. Um, but so we thought, oh, mango scene, we've never had that. That must also be a really smelly fruit. Um, and so for years and years, you know, we, we'd been back a few times and like, oh, yeah, I don't, don't want any mango steam. We had, last time we went, we were hosted by someone who bought us all this, this delicious fruit from a, from a Thai market there. Um, uh, and mango steam was there and he, served it to us and, and it's um i want to say it's almost like it's like it's a roundish fruit um it's purple uh which is uh important <laughs> uh and when you open it up it there's like this sectioned very like just perfectly sweet um it almost looks sectioned like an orange or a, or a you know a tangerine kind of a thing but it but it's almost almost more like a in some ways like a plum as well it's hard for me to explain um but uh we're like wait <laughs> why would they say no mangosteen and he's like oh well probably because uh like you have to be careful it stains like because of the purple you know mm -hmm. so there was probably like oh it would stain the carpet there or or whatever and we're like we've been missing out for like 10 12 14 years however long it been on this like the most perfect fruit in the whole world oh. uh, yeah because we made an assumption oh but, how dare you yeah so i want to make <laughs> up this is why I, if it's the only food i can eat for the rest of my life i want to make up for the lost time uh, makes sense you got to get that yeah. bonding time in with that exactly fruit. exactly <laughs> yeah well we've learned so much today i learned what a mango scene was mm -hmm. Um, I learned uh, about Dave's best answer to a question ever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I also learned uh, so many intricacies of David Lynch's work. Uh, dive in. There's so much more. <laughs> like a pool. It's a mm -hmm. pool. We're all going to wade through it together. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, that with that, that wraps us up. This was such a great time. Thank you so much for this coming, Dave. Thank thanks. you, Emily and Shelly. Well, thanks for just being you, Dave, yeah. and being on this podcast. Who else am and, I going to be, right? <laughs> <laughs> am I right? Uh, and thank you, Shelly, for being an awesome co-pilot. I appreciate you. And until next time, bye. Bye. <laughs>